All right. Welcome to this episode. In this episode, we are going to have an amazing discussion. And it's going to be something different, something different than what we're used to. We're used to talking to a lot of male um, professionals. And this is the first time we're going to be talking to an amazing lady. And her name is called Ayo Adeyemi. Yes. So, and it's amazing. And Ayo works with a company, one of the top five, I think, in my view, one of the top five pharmaceutical uh, companies in the world. Um, none other than a company called Sanofi, right? I don't know if the my pronunciation is right, but that's, that's how I call it. Yes. So one of the top, top, top pharmacy uh, companies in the world. And these guys, they save lives. They make a ton, a ton of money, but they save a lot of lives. <laughs> so I welcome to the channel. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So just to tee it up, um, I, I works as a, a director, um, I, I, as a director of real world evidence, right? And and, uh, and she's going to talk about, about what that means because that's a lot of a lot of big English. So she's going to, uh, you know, I'm just going to give her the platform to um, explain what that means uh, to us shortly. So I, if you don't mind, just share a little bit snippet of um, uh, what what you do, your your current role, and I'll sort of tee it up again uh, to a lot of um, sort of dig it dig a little bit in into what you do so that the ordinary person on the street can understand. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I'm happy to do that and um, happy to be here um, as well. Awesome. So my role at Sanofi, as you said, is I'm part of the real world evidence team and what our work is centered around is evidence generation okay. to essentially support our external stakeholders. When we say st um, stakeholders, we mean physicians to okay. be able to make informed decisions and in treating their patients. So like you said, we have a number of pharmaceutical companies out there and many companies develop products that do the same thing, similar mm -hmm. things. And so when you present different products or different medicines to the doctor to treat a patient that has, for example, Malaria. Okay. The physician needs to know why do I pick A above B? Okay. What are the differentiating factors that would make me pick A instead of B? Okay. And so when we talk about external stakeholders, not just the physicians, we're also looking at the payers. Here okay. in the United States, it's um, we have the commercial payers in insurance companies. Insurance companies. Pay. Yes. Okay. So they they essentially take um um, they are they account for majority of the patient's medical bill. And okay. so whenever a treatment, which could be medical device, and you had talked about Vizient. So yes. I, I had worked with medical <laughs> device in the past, so I know quite a bit about Vizient as well. So, okay, awesome. Right. So whether it's medical device or a product, something that has therapeutic value, mm -hmm. the, the stakeholders, whether the physician or the payers, need to understand why we should pick A over B. And so this ah. is where my job comes in to be able to present okay. the evidence to let them know compared to this, compared to based on our studies that we have done, based on data, real world data specifically in this case, we can show that we are maybe more cost effective. We have evidence to show that um, you're um, using 
um, medications will help your patients maybe get better faster, less side okay. effects, and may also be co um, costs um, pocket more pocket friendly versus the competition. So in a nutshell, I would say that that is essentially what my work is all about. Wow, that, that is incredible. So so but then I, I believe that one of your key, especially in the US, your key stakeholder is going to be Medicare, Medicaid. Um, or? I would say one of them. They are one of yes. our stakeholders. Yes. So we have Medicaid. Medicare are the, um, you would Big, say, kind of yep. public. Government. Yes, mm -hmm. government um, um, sponsored. Where we have commercial. Commercial is actually quite a big one. Where we have the private payers. Um, yes. Care of that. Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Aetna. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. So so this is this is incredible. So I, I I remember when I worked at Medasets, I think at that time I wasn't involved in that team, but there was a team that was working on uh pulling clinical data or, or sifting through clinical data to uh come up with some kind of um uh medical, I mean some kind of efficacy and medical outcomes and those kind of things. Um I wasn't too sure about what the team did, I just knew that something like that was going on. I believe that the uh, insurance companies, uh, in, in this case, the payers, they 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 really wanted that information as, uh, from a medical device standpoint. So, so how do you or how does your team gather that evidence? So, I'm, my my understanding is, let's say, let's pick a patient who, let's say, is taking say type two diabetes medication. And uh, as I understand, there are so many uh, different types of medications out there. And um, so, how, how does your how how does your team work to collect that evidence? Do you phone up the patients, or you send them questionnaires, or how do you gather that and and then probably stick it side by side with with right. other other manufacturers? That's a great question. So I will address your question, assuming that this is a, a medication already in the market that has passed approval, the regulatory approval and all that. Now we have our products in the market and like you said, type two diabetes, there's so many medications to treat or to manage type two diabetes. We have our, our, our um, product, we could do different things. If we okay. don't have a, little, a lot of data out there. So when we talk about real world evidence is how patients would use the medication in the real world. So not being under scrutiny okay. or under supervision by a clinical trial team. Okay. And just the regular patient going to the doctor to have their um, prescription order written and being okay. filled by the pharmacy. And now because they have insurance, that is usually... Um, they have to go through insurance for approval. So they usually yes. have reimbursement. And so we have claims data yes. for those patients. So mm -hmm. imagine that we have claims data for millions of patients. Yes. We have access to those kind of data sets mm -hmm. and then design our study. We want to be able to see. When we talk about real-world evidence, this time around, we are looking at effectiveness. Efficacy mm -hmm. would have to be when you're actually doing clinical trials. Trials, Okay. So for real-world evidence is looking at effectiveness and trying to see. We have our medications. What are those markers that we use to say that a medication is effective? So if you say type 2 diabetes, we are looking at their A1C levels. Okay. We are looking at, at some biomarkers in their, in their, in their um, body, their, everything about them. 
those are things we want to be able to see. Is it? I think um, it's been a while I worked on diabetes. So I think it is the okay. um, standard is 7%, less than 7%, which is essentially their blood um, glucose level. Sugar, okay. Yes. And so to be able to see how much it controls their, their um, blood sugar, as you would say, and also to be able to see there are other things that are associated with diabetes. Are you able to control that? Not only that, diabetes is a chronic disease. disease. Patients would have to take it for a long time. Yes. Are they able, side effects, mm -hmm. are they able to tolerate it? How many okay. times a day do they take it? Is it three times? If our medication is once a day, that is a plus for us. Because that means a patient would likely want to take a medication once a day rather than three times three a day. Three times, yes, definitely. Right. So less side effects. And so we want to see, one outcome we want to see maybe adherence. So if a patient stays longer on our medication and we're able to tie it to better outcomes, which is their A1C levels, we'll look at the claims data. Look at, um, because we all, in the claims data, you're able to see what diseases, competing diseases that they have, what yes, issues yes. that the patient has. And for us to be able to take care of any kind of bias. So we don't want to, it to be that our drug, we're focusing on patients that are not very sick. Okay. And then we are for the competitor. We are using okay. the very sick ones. It's almost <laughs> yes. like we are yes. comparing apples, apples to oranges then. Exactly. <laughs> we'll have to make sure we are taking care of things. We call it at baseline. So before we even start, when we identify our patients, are they comparable before yes. we start doing the evaluation? And so there are things that we usually have to take into account. Age, the gender, race. Some other things that we need to consider and then how sick the patients are before we start doing the comparison in terms of side effects, um, adherence, and if they have complications down the line. I hope I did not. Is that... Or that uh, it, it, it's, it's wonderful. It, it's, it's, you, you could see that the question was loaded. So the answer is also loaded. <laughs> and and, and I, I, really, I really appreciate your, your answer. I, I think... What is going to be um, it, what is going to be interesting is I, I I'm I'm just assuming that almost all the pharmaceutical uh, your competitors will be doing something similar, right? Or, or or am I wrong? Because if you you are the only one doing it, then you have enormous competitive advantage. You okay. just walk walk into a doctor's office and you present your data and it's a slam dunk. It's like you're going to be writing your, pres I mean, prescribing your, your products all day long. But I could see that there's, there could be some competition out there if, if everyone is doing something similar. Right. All right. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Yes. Everyone needs to, all the companies are fighting for that advantage. So you'll see that yes. it's actually a crowded market where, Everyone is using the databases and, and all. So I assume the question is, how do you differentiate yourself? Right. And this is where the quality of your studies come into play. Mm -hmm. When we present our result, our evidence to those who are going to evaluate it, they have to look at it objectively and they begin to yes. ask questions. And the questions will be things that would help them understand whether or not you were objective in, in your assessment. Yes. So, for example, I had said that you're looking at two products. You want to compare them. Are you looking at them comparing comparable patients, similar okay. patients between the two groups? Have you accounted for any form of bias in the process? So it, it, it is usually painstaking. It is usually rigorous. Many people yes, may yes. not want to go through that. 
sometimes the results don't look like what you would want them to look like. Mm-hmm. But the result is what the result is. So that is another reason why people go to the drawing board to say, what is it that we need to do differently? We don't have enough data. If we don't have enough data, we can't tell the true picture, tell the true story, the big yes, story, yes. what we want to be able to tell. That is when we have to see how we can generate more data. Sometimes we do things like prospective studies, where we start the studies ourselves mm-hmm. and then watch the patients over time as they take the medications to see their outcomes. So there are different ways um, researchers work to be sure that they produce very high quality um, studies. And so it is now left to the evaluators to be able to really compare the results, the evidence, okay, and to okay. see, um, to be able to make the assessment. That, that's, a, that's an interesting point because I, I was just going to, right before you said, I was going to ask that normally when you present your findings or you, you present your data, is it peer reviewed by probably an independent body or, or that kind of thing to give it more credibility? Absolutely. So for, um, for ex- more often than not, when we, pre- when we conclude studies after execution, we have them submitted in international conferences. And this okay. has to go through peer review, the peer review process. And also, um, if you want to publish, okay. everything has to go through the peer review process. And it's usually very rigorous. And if it has to be high quality for it to be accepted in the first place. So that you that you have it accepted is also um, foolproof that you actually did a good job. Yes. And uh, be ready to also defend it and um, during your presentation at, at conferences as well. Amazing, amazing. Wow, wow, wow. This is this is mind-blowing. Yeah, it's, you know, I'll come to this question later on that, you know, you, you're a pharmacist by training. And um, typically when you see pharmacies, maybe I'll just ask this question and then we'll move to the next segment. So you're a pharmacist by training, but basically most people see pharmacists, right? Uh, Especially in the context of retail pharmacy. So uh, how did, how did you land uh, or how did you choose this field or how how did you get to where you are? It's, it's fascinating because I, I see a lot of retail pharmacy. Uh, There's no, uh, it, it to me is it. I say it in a very respectful way. It's not a bad option, you know, but ninety nine point nine percent of the time, that's what I see. So seeing other people who can veer into other areas in pharmacy actually intrigues me. So can you educate me a little bit on on what the options are, you know, when it comes to uh, pharmacy? So, Isaac, you know, I think you raise a great point. And I will say that 20 years ago, I would have said I would have my own pharmacy. That was my goal, to have my own retail pharmacy. There are so many other options. Mm -hmm. Even in back home, you're able to, outside of retail, you could work in the hospital if you wanted to work in the hospital, work in research organizations. So I know that um, back home, the options may not be as broad as you have in here, where you yes. can work for regulatory bodies, work for FDA, work for pharmaceutical companies, could also be in academia, which is also um, an option in back home in, in Africa. So it's, yes. there are different options you can, it's just that most people think that it's retail pharmacy. Yes. But with the pharmacy degree, I would say that pharmacists are very well equipped to be able to diversify. You just need to be able to understand what your interests are, the opportunities that are, that are 
open to you and to be able to leverage those. Amazing. So that is amazing. Amazing. Awesome. Awesome. So so now let's get into some some more fun stuff. The fun stuff is, you know, how did our sister Ayo? Um how, how did you, how's your background like? How did you grow up? You know, I I know probably you are not uh you didn't you you didn't just got thrown into uh you born and then raised with silver spoon in your mouth and then all of a sudden you found yourself working for one of the biggest pharmaceutical companies in the world in the United States. Your journey probably started somewhere. So can you tell us some of your your fun stories, you know, growing up and and as as a girl, you right. know, yes, as, as a girl, how tell us some of some of the wonderful stories and the if there are any painful twists or interesting angles, we would, lo we would love to know about them. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm happy to do that. So um, I was born and raised in Nigeria. Okay. And um, my... Ghana and Nigeria Jollof, I was going to say. <laughs> well, we don't want to go there yet. You know we don't want to go there. Yeah. So. <laughs> so my um, elementary school and... Um, high school, which we call secondary school, we're all um, spent in the northern part of Nigeria wow. because my parents were working there then. And then after that, I we moved um, to the southwest and uh, I started college where I went to pharmacy school. Okay. And um, in pharmacy, well, what, what informed my going to being a pharmacist? I always wanted to be a lawyer for some reason. Wow. And I, I, well, I think they said my parents thought I was very good at being able to make my case. Okay, to speak and, for yourself. Uh, well, I called, that's what they said actually, and um, thought that it wouldn't be bad for me to go into law. But um, over time, I got fascinated with the profession, profession pharmacy. I didn't have anyone close per se that that guided that decision. However, I loved it and I had time to kind of know a little bit, bit more about it. And um, so I got into pharmacy school. That was um, Obafemi Awolowo University. Okay, very good school, I, I, I hear. Very, yes. Very, very uh, what do you call it? Uh, it's a very famous school, let me put it that way. Famous and very good, actually. Not just, yes. you know, it's, it's known for its quality, I'll say. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, so in pharmacy school, went through the motions as usual, was um, tedious, as any pharmacist would tell. And after graduating, my thoughts um, before graduating was that I was, my main aim was to be able to own my own pharmacy. Okay. And I had worked a couple years in retail pharmacy. So um, worked in, quite frankly, I had done retail pharmacy during my internships. Okay. And then I worked a couple years in the hospital pharmacy setting. All right. And during that time, I wasn't sure if that was what I wanted. Hmm. And it happened that my husband, who was my fiance then, Okay. Also a pharmacist and was way ahead of me in the oh, wow. in in the profession was going to come abroad to study. Okay. And he was interested in health economics and outcomes research. Hmm. And so he had come and I was like, okay, so when you get back, we're going to just settle down here and all that. 
But I started getting, he started explaining to me what HOR is what we usually call it. It's a health economics and outcomes research. And started explaining to me what HOR was about. And I started reading more about it. And with that, I began to look at my patients in a different light. The patients would say they didn't want this medication because they weren't seeing it working. For example, type 2 diabetes, it is asymptomatic Mm -hmm. until it gets to a really bad stage. So patients really don't know the damage that's been done internally until it comes to a really bad state. And so, and back home, it didn't look as if there was a lot of emphasis on differentiating your your medicines from Mm -hmm. competition. So essentially, the cheapest is what we want. Everybody goes for the cheapest. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so with that... um, point that had been raised to me by my fiance then, I began to do a little bit more research and I began to look at my patients a little bit differently. And afterwards I said, you know what, I think I want to do something like that as well. I did a bit more research and um, um, did the application, did the research, the application into the schools that were best able to provide a program um, there and um, got into the school. Mm-hmm. So we um, did all the submissions and all, got into the school and got the training. So master's and PhD in um, HOR. And okay. in, the, in the process, um, I had exposure to um, working with different kinds of um, people. So working with um, research organizations, right. working with payers as well. Yes. From the, uh, from the angle of which they wanted to generate evidence to be able mm-hmm. to, sometimes it's, not even to differentiate their products from other products. It's essentially to understand their own patient population. Okay. To see if um, they have more patients who are suffering from a particular disease or something. So they can know what kind of um, medication to bring into their formulary and all that. So those are examples of ways. Another That's another way that pharmacists can work because even as an intern then, I was working with pharmacists who were working in that um, okay. Insurance um, payer um, system, I would say. Mm-hmm. And so, um, fast forward, um, graduated and um, started working for medical device, also okay. in the capacity of um, health health outcomes, and being able to this time around was looking at it from the medical device um, aspect. I worked with Smith and nephew. I don't know if you're. Oh, I know Smith and nephew quite well. We <laughs> when I was at Medicines, uh, we did a contract with them. We we used to do um, they they are actually it was orthopedics. Yes. So they they were competing with the uh, Striker and Zima. Yes. yes. And a few others. So, so I kind of know. I even remember my uh, uh, one of their vice president of of sales in North America quite well. Uh, okay. That's yeah. great. So, <laughs> so it's got a huge company. We did a huge, huge, huge um, orthopedics agreement with Smith and Nephew. They were not the easiest to negotiate with, but you know, there was they're, they're a big company. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. And so you see, in even though it was health outcomes, this was medical device, and I'm doing pharma as well. It's essentially the same goal of generating evidence to support mm. the values of your products. Yes. And like you said, I had worked in orthopedics where um, I supported total joint replacement, um, products for total joint replacement, and wow. also um, a product called coblation for tonsillectomy for children who had um, issues with their tonsils. Mm-hmm. Essentially to be able to let people know that 
the work I did was to help compare versus the standard of care. So you had asked, there are so many products in the market. More often than not, the regulators want to know what, how you compare versus the standard of care. So what everyone already knows that this works. How are you better than that standard of care? So in, in um, Smith and Nephew and um, in my current role as well and previous roles, essentially be able to present it in a very objective and scientific way that is beyond all kind of doubt, I would say, and you're able to present it objectively. Wow, wow. This is, this is amazing. It's like, it's like a whole new world uh, I didn't know existed. So, so let, let me just take one, a step back a little bit. You know, I'm just going to take a little bit of a step back. So would you say your choice of going into maybe pharmacy was just, was just possibly maybe um, a visit probably you may have had as a little girl uh, to a pharmacy shop and um, it, it just left something inside you that you couldn't really place a finger on. Uh, you know, because it's, sometimes people do things for interesting reasons. You, you, you know, it's like typically a girl say, okay, I want to be a doctor. What made you want to choose pharmacy and not choose being a doctor? That's great. You know, growing up, I wanted to, they always thought I was the one who always wanted to take care of the little kids. Like, okay. Like my siblings, I was the one in all the uh, family pictures. I was the one always carrying the little baby and wanted to <laughs> <laughs> make everybody feel okay. And um, medicine was something that they had asked me, do you want to study medicine? I was like, no, I really want to learn more about the drugs. And the thing again is with pharmacy, not only do you understand the formulation, I thought it was really interesting and I thought it was challenging. Not only do you look at the drugs, you look at also how it is formulated, the training. Our training is such that you're able to understand the whole process, not um, from um, when you do the formulation, how you do it up to the point that it's a finished product for, for the user to um, have. One other thing I thought about as pharmacy is that as a pharmacist, not, a, not just retail, if I work in pharma and I'm able to present anything, I'm affecting millions of people all at once. My work mm, is it's true. It's true. Rather than do, especially even with now with COVID and everything that is going on, I set mercy um, as a profession that you're able to turn around a lot of lives. I look at in in Sanofi where I am at. I you know I'm focused on rare blood disorders, and the other day we had a patient come to us. And he essentially let us know that without this company would be dead because it took them 15 years diagnosis of what helped him really identify what the issue was. And that if the company had not invested in doing this kind of disease, he would be dead. By and the wow. fact that so many other patients would be dead was something very humbling. Wow. 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 That, that is incredible. That, that is incredible. Wow. So my my next question basically is going to be uh, that uh, for the program, the health economics and um, okay. outcomes research, right? I'm still learning. This, this is a fascinating area for me. H H E U R, right? It's 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 a fascinating thing uh, that I I'm I'm just fascinated about basically. 
uh, how does somebody get into such a program? Do you necessarily have to be a pharmacist or to come come from a pharmacy, pharmacy background or medically inclined background, maybe a doctor or pharmacist or maybe, I don't know, maybe a radiographer, whatever it is. It's, do you, do you, what, what steps or what do you need to get into that program? Right. Um, you don't necessarily have to be a pharmacist to be in the program. Now, okay. I'm saying that in my experience, we have many pharmacists in the program. However, we had other people from sociology in the program. As long oh, as wow. you meet the basic requirements, okay. work experience counts as well. So anything okay. that is able to show your research experience or your exposure as well as interest passion for the field would help you. So looking at the requirements that um, the admissions office ask for, pharmacy is not a, is not mandatory to be um, considered. That's a good compliment, though. If, if you have that pharmacy background and have this HUR background, it's like, wow, it's like uh, putting fire on, uh, I mean, putting kerosene on fire. Oh, uh, well, you, you could say that you don't necessarily have to have had formal HR training. Okay. Having um, been able to um, package your um, admissions package such that it essentially they expect you to look at what they require. And, okay. and one thing I'll say that is very important outside of your grades, your GRE scores, you have to do all those, all of those total. Right. Test of English, um, yes. GRE, and all that. You meet all the requirements. Having a strong statement of purpose okay. is good because that is when it reflects where you're coming from, where you're at, and what you're looking to do or get out of the program. That usually just um, really packs a punch when you're able to um, submit a very strong um, statement of purpose as well. Wow, wow. That, that, that is amazing. That's amazing. So I'm actually um, just going to throw this in there and... Uh, um, probably draw your mind a little bit, but before we we we, we put a final lid on this discussion, sure. is what do you think the strength of HUR as a, a career path for us? Um, let me see. Yeah, as an option or as a field of study, as it relates to developing countries, is it that has it made any footprint at all, or is is greenfield or non-applicable at the moment, what, what do you think? <laughs> I will say that in Africa, it is really budding. It's really in the infant stage. So okay. we have this um, global society called ESPOR. Okay. It's a society for, um, professional society for health economics and outcomes research, where we have global representation and which we have a few representatives from Africa. I've met a few of them personally in one of the conferences. Okay. So, um, but if you, if people who are interested can go through to the website, okay. that's called ISPOR, I-S-P-O-R. I-S-P-O-R, okay. Um, yes, and I'm able to get a sense of it, but um, asking in terms of how far yeah. Africa has gone with H-O-R, I would say that not yet. The Africa is not yet there. Developing countries are not yet there. Right, right. I, 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 I just was going to default in thinking that way because most of the uh, medical device companies and pharmaceutical companies, Africa is not where they make their money. So it's it, Africa is where they, they do a little bit charity here and there. 
Right, <laughs> so, right, right. And if you, if you, if I must say, um, we are still of the mindset in Africa that maybe the cheapest is the best. And so yeah. when you talk about HOR, we're not looking necessarily at the cheapest; it's the most cost-effective. Yes, it will be more. It will be more effective and more expensive. However, it's it, there's a trade-off. And that is what the payers are looking to are looking for to make their informed decision. The the clinicians are looking for effectiveness. So being able to balance those are things that we are not looking at in Africa at this point in time. Not, not at all. I hope I we get at some point, but not there yet. Yes, yeah, I I think me too. I I, I joined my hope with yours because um, <laughs> little bit of experiences that I've I've seen so far is is it's not very encouraging. It's 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 not it's not very encouraging at all. Yeah, I, I think in in your world, the, the, you, we can I think gradually is getting to some kind of personalized healthcare. Right. Uh, you know, but over here it's like <laughs> a cookie cutter kind of thing that, that goes on. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. So awesome. So I, I want you to just give um, as a little bit of advice. Let's say I'm a young, um, I'm, I'm a young man. I'm a young lady, particularly our young ladies that are looking to um, pursue the track or the journey that you've taken. I know it's been painstaking. It's been long. You have gleaned diverse levels of experiences and uh, both good and bad. And and both sweet and sour. You've had you've you've gone through that, and um, you know you have your family as well. Balancing family, studies, career, and everything. Is are there nuggets that you can share with our up up and coming young people, particularly ladies, that you have picked up over the years? Absolutely. Um, so looking back through the years and um, over time, I would say one thing that. People will consider you lucky sometimes or blessed. And mm -hmm. uh, one thing people, um, others have said commonly is luck. When you say luck is opportunity meeting preparation. Yes. So you are prepared and the opportunity comes and it just locks in. Wow. And uh, before you get to that point, being able to position yourself in terms of degree, college mm -hmm. degree, a strong college degree because in the package, they play they place some emphasis on your GPA. Okay. How the scores are and how because you have many people from all around the world applying for the same position, limited number of seats. And yes. you've been able to differentiate yourself from the pack, mm. from your college degree and um your statement of purpose, like I had said, your package yes. as a whole is something. And in life overall, I will say that um when they say people are lucky, it's because they have been working really hard. Mm. For that opportunity, it's and, true, right? And another thing I'll say is networking is key. Mm. Although we, I know in, in Africa we say, oh, that's it, it's important to network. More so here as well. It's global. It's and global. I will, I would. One thing I would recommend is just like insurance. Get your insurance before you really need it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the same thing as networking. So. Yes. Find, establish your network of contacts before okay. you really need it. Because once you're established, you don't want to start looking for people to network with when you really need them. Right. Particularly. That will come across as fake, right? Exactly. That mm -hmm. you're just looking for something. Yes. So when you establish that and you keep it active and relevant, it will be very helpful and um, 
you'll be able to get quick responses whenever it is that you really need it as well. Right. And hopefully you're able to do the same for other people who come around for you. So yes. Those two main things, and, and I'm a believer of, I don't know if, um, for people who believe in a higher being, I may believe yes. that once you do your part and you leave the rest for God, God takes care of the rest for you. Absolutely. But you know that you've covered your own, you've covered your own grounds and just let him um, take care of everything else. Awesome. It's not easy. It may not be easy, but <laughs> the common thing again they say is that when the, when the um, tough gets going, when yes. it gets tough or it's the tough that gets going yeah. Yeah. awesome yeah. so just keeping at it it's, it's it's not always a bed of roses but it's not also a thorn it's not a thorn so all, all through as well so it's being able to navigate and not giving up despite um, challenges challenges may be used as stepping stones stepping onto stones. higher higher ground so those are my <laughs> nuggets, yes. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. That is amazing. That's amazing. We are so, so, so honored to have you. And these nuggets are, are gonna be uh are, are gonna be the savior for somebody. And and I and I really, really appreciate you taking the time, busy schedule, time out of your busy schedule to uh speak to us. We are most grateful. And uh, we 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 would love to we would love to send you the testimonies as they come from people who who watch this episode. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm looking forward to it, and I appreciate the opportunity to be able to share my story as well. And I yes. commend you for the great job you're doing, Isaac. I appreciate it. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I think I'm going to call you Dr. Ayo then. <laughs> I guess fine. <laughs> okay, so some people are very, are very uh, picky with their titles, so you know. So, I, I... <laughs> okay, so thank you so much once again for your time, and we just enjoyed this session. So, for my audience, if you found this episode to be uh, very relevant and useful to you, subscribe to this channel. Period, because this is exactly what you're going, going to be getting all the time. All right. Thank you, uh, Ayo, and uh, we'll, we'll talk again. Absolutely. Thank you, Isaac. Okay. Have a good one. Thank all you. right. You too. Bye. Bye. <laughs>